Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Mikaitis. Hello, and thanks for joining us here for episode 441 with Ruth Sukup. Ruth has figured out a thing or two when it comes to fear and indeed seven particular types of fear and what's yours and what to do about it. So you'll learn one, how to identify your fear archetype and use that knowledge to conquer fears. Two, how to seek out honest feedback. And three, how to develop the courage to take the first steps past fear. So if you want to check out the show notes or the transcript or the links to items we've referenced, you'll find it on over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash EP441. That's awesomeatyourjob.com slash EP441. Now here's Ruth's story. New York Times bestselling author Ruth Sukup is dedicated to helping people overcome fear and create a life they love. Through her blog, Living Well, Spending Less, which reaches more than 1 million people each month, she encourages her readers to follow their dreams and reach their goals. She's also the founder of the Living Well Planner and Elite Blog Academy, as well as the author of five bestselling books. Her practical advice has been featured in numerous publications and news programs, including Women's Day, Red Book, Family Circle, and Fox News. Her Do It Scared podcast launched April 30th, 2018, and her next book, Do It Scared, Finding the the courage to face your fears, overcome obstacles, and create a life you love is available right now. Hot off the presses. So thanks to Ruth for spending some time with us, and thanks to our sponsors. Check them out. One sponsor to check out is LinkedIn Jobs. Did you know that you can post a job for free at linkedin.com slash be awesome? And with a fresh year, perhaps you're like many small business owners looking for some fresh insight and talent to make 2024 extra amazing. Well, LinkedIn Jobs has created tremendous tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and free. I love how they make it so easy with their promotion and selection tools. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. No, no. No, LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Here's some fun facts. 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. And small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash be awesome. That's linkedin.com slash B-E-A-W-E-S-O-M-E, as in you are being awesome, be awesome, to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Here is Ruth. Ruth, thanks so much for joining us here on the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here. Well, I'm excited to dig into your wisdom. And in particular, I understand that you identify as a Harry Potter nerd. What's the story here? <laughs> that I do. I am a Harry Potter enthusiast, I have to say. that, And that probably does make me a huge super nerd, but I'm going to own it. I have read all of the books probably at least... 10 times each. And that last one, number seven, which is my favorite, I've probably read at least 30 times. I just could read them over and over again from start to finish without stopping. So thankfully, my my 12-year-old daughter has actually inherited my love of all things Harry Potter. And so we get to now nerd out together. This summer, we were in London and we went to the Warner Brothers Studios where they filmed all of the movies. And my poor husband and my younger daughter had to bear with us as we nerded out to an epic proportion. But it was it was really, really great. And if you ever have a chance to go, I would highly recommend it. It was to see that just the level of detail that they put into every movie and the sets and everything was was so worth it, whether or not you're a Harry Potter fan. 
That's impressive. Now, you called yourself a Harry Potter enthusiast. I've heard the term, which I hadn't heard before, a Potterhead. Is that common nomenclature? I've never like got into the communities online. I kind of, I guess maybe I, that's my inner outcast coming out of, I've always sort of just been independently nerdy. So I don't know if what the correct terminology is for that, but I would say a Harry Potter super nerd would be an accurate description. <laughs> Understood. Understood. Oh, cool beans. Well, I'd also love to hear how you've applied some of your, your nerd-like enthusiasm for uh, researching and, and getting some intriguing insights in your book, Do It Scared. Could you kick us off with what would you say is the most surprising and, and fascinating discovery you made while doing the work on this? That's a great question. You know, with Do It Scared, I was really wanting to look into this question of why does fear hold us back? And in, in my communities, I see so many people and women, especially who feel like they're sitting on the sidelines of their own life, who are just afraid to jump in. And there's all these things holding them back from going after their goals and dreams wholeheartedly. And it was a real problem. And I had so many people coming to me and saying, I wish I could do this, but I just can't. And I wanted to know why. And I wanted to know why fear was holding us back. And more importantly, if there's anything that we could do about it. So we, we ended up doing this gigantic research study surveying more than 4,000 people. And I hired a whole team of researchers and psychologists to help me dive into the data. But one of the most surprising things that we discovered was that all fear is not created equal. And by that, I mean, there's seven very, very unique and distinct ways that fear plays out in our lives because it's a little bit different for everyone. So we call these the seven fear archetypes. And basically what that means is that some people are afraid of making a mistake while other people are afraid of rejection. Some people are afraid of authority or have an unhealthy fear of authority. Other people are afraid of being judged or letting people down. And so how that fear plays out in your life really makes a huge difference in how it's holding you back. But it also makes a huge difference because once you can identify how fear is holding you back, you can also start to do something about it and to overcome it. So it was really, really fun research to do, but also really exciting. So you've already listed out some of these these archetypes here. So fear of making a mistake, fear of rejection, fear of authority, fear of being judged, fear of letting folks down. Is that five of seven? What, what are the other two? Let's see. There's the fear of not being capable and the fear of adversity, I believe. That would bring all of them. And they each have a name. So the fear of making a mistake is the procrastinator archetype. And that's really another name for perfectionism. Mm -hmm. And that one is actually the most common of all the archetypes. And then there's the people pleaser, which is the fear of being judged or the fear of what other people will say and letting letting people down. And that is the second most common one. And then they go they go on from there. If you want me to keep going, I can keep going. <laughs> Let's do can, it. Yeah. Yeah. So the next one after that is the rule follower. And the rule follower is the unhealthy fear of authority. So it's just sort of this like deep seated fear of ever coloring outside of the lines or doing anything that you're not not supposed to do, even though you don't always know who's telling you who that you're supposed to do it a certain way. You just sort of have this feeling all the time that there's certain things are supposed to be done a certain way. And if you don't do it right, you're going to get in trouble, even whether that's accurate or not. Um, the fourth fear archetype is the outcast. That is the fear of rejection. So the funny thing with outcasts is that they tend to reject other people before they can be rejected. They're so afraid of rejection that they reject others first as almost like a proactive way of not being rejected. So a lot of times outcasts will appear on the surface to be fearless, 
But the truth is that they're very afraid of, of being rejected by other people. And so they sort of put up these, this armor to protect themselves. You know, as you say outcasts, I just can't stop thinking, hey, yeah. <laughs> That's true. Different kind of outcast. Different kind of right. <laughs> okay. Let's hear the rest. Let's hear the rest. Yeah. So then there is the uh, excuse maker. The excuse maker is afraid of taking responsibility, also known as the blame shifter. The excuse maker is the one who never wants to have anything pinned on them. We can probably all think of somebody in our life who is like that, who just cannot be pinned down, won't take responsibility for their actions. But where that comes from is just a deep fear of taking responsibility. They don't want to be held responsible. There's also the self-doubter, which is the fear of not being capable. And a lot of times for the self-doubter, that will play out in a hypercriticism towards themselves and others. So if you've ever known anyone who just seems like they are never happy, never satisfied, always nitpicking people, that might be a sign of a self-doubter in your life or somebody that's a self-doubter. Or if you find yourself doing that a lot, that might be your main fear archetype. And then the final one is the pessimist. And the pessimist is usually someone who is has had a lot of adversity or hard things happen in their life. And they're therefore most afraid of pain or adversity or of hard things happening again. And that makes them just sort of stuck and not want to try. Intriguing. Well, so that's a nice rundown there. And so your assertion is that we tend to have one of these that is the most dominant for us. Yes. Most people have one that is more dominant than others. You might have two or three that are all fairly dominant and they sort of interact and play together. Um, but there's usually at least one or two. We all have traits of all seven of the fear archetypes, but sometimes, you know, some are far less prevalent than others. But the way that they play out in our lives is really relevant because if you don't know the way that what your underlying fear is, you don't know how it's affecting you. But once you do know, once you're able to identify that fear in your life and start to see those patterns of behavior and to, and to start to recognize the negative self-talk that happens in our heads without us even really realizing it. So much of this stuff happens subconsciously. So as soon as you shine a light on it and start to see it in your life, that's when you're able to start overcoming it and start creating solutions that will allow you to move past it and not not be held stuck anymore. Well, could you maybe illuminate, you know, what is some <laughs> some self-talk that shows up and that we might not even recognize because it's just there in the background all the time? Any key, you know, words and phrases that to pop up a lot? Sure. Well, again, that is different for everyone, but I'll I'll give myself as an example for this one because this I actually had this happen to me fairly recently. And the outcast archetype. And so my deepest fear is rejection. And that has been something that really I've started to recognize recently, probably in lieu of all of this fear studies that I've been <laughs> fear fear study that I've been doing. But it's I've started to really see how the outcast fear archetype is playing out in my life and how that fear of rejection holds me back in certain areas of my life and of my business. Specifically, you know, I have an I have an online business. I have a online company and I have always sort of approached my business from a I don't need anybody else standpoint of I'm going to grow this by myself. I don't want to ask for help. I don't want to ever be dependent on anyone else. And yet as my business has grown, I've really seen ways in which that being unwilling to reach out to people and to ask for help or to ask for favors or to ask people for things has held me back even to like 
to pitch someone to say, Hey, you know, I see you have this podcast. Can I be a guest on your podcast or to promote myself in that way? That's always been really, really hard for me. And what that really is, is a deep, deep seated fear of rejection. So I reject everyone before they can reject me. And it was funny. I was with them. I have a mastermind group that I call my truth club and I was with them maybe a few weeks ago. And they of course know that my archetype is the outcast. And so as good friends should do, they definitely called me out on it and were really pushing me and really challenged me to stop hiding basically behind this fear of rejection. And so they challenged me to, we were specifically talking about media and PR and, and, and pitching yourself to different media outlets. And so they challenged me in 24 hours, I had to pitch myself to 20 people and that I knew were going to reject me just to get used to the idea of being rejected. And it was terrifying for me, absolutely terrifying. And yet I, because they are my friends and because I believe in accountability, I took their advice and I did it and I did the challenge. And you know what? It was so incredibly freeing to finally sort of break through this fear that rejection was the worst thing that could ever happen to me. Because as it turned out, it wasn't that bad. And as it turned out, several of these people that I reached out to actually said yes and not no, even though I had been sure that every single one of them was going to say no. And so it was just a really good lesson for me. And this is something I work with on on a daily basis, but it was still a, good, a great lesson for me that when you know what your fear is, then that's when you can start to create solutions to overcome it. Well, you got me thinking now. I was like, well, here you are on my media <laughs> outlet. It was like, how did this happen? I guess your publicist, Ashley, at... Uh, Yes. Nardymedia.com <laughs> yes. was the, the emailer. So I guess that's another strategy. You could do a little bit of outsourcing. <laughs> now, it has been the strategy that I've used is to hire a publicist to do it for me so that I don't have to personally be rejected. But that's where my friends were calling me on it. They said, no, it's better if you start making connections yourself. You have to start doing it yourself. I'm like, oh, I don't want to. But I did. Thank you for sharing that. And it's, it's really resonating as, as I'm thinking, this is always sort of my game as a podcaster. It's like, it's, it's for the listeners, but it's also for me. And it's like, <laughs> which follow up <laughs> question am I going to ask? Is the one that serves me or the one I think is going to serve the most listeners? And so usually I go, I give it to the listeners, but, um, <laughs> uh, but for now, I'm trying to zero in on mine. And I, and I think about when I'm not reaching out, cause I've done the same thing. It's like, I, the, I would like to be on more podcasts. I've seen it results in great growth for my show. And it's fun. And I haven't made a lot of requests. And I think it's part of the procrastinator perfection thing. Well, that makes sense because that's a very common fear archetype. Yeah, because I guess and and I say things to myself like, oh, I don't know. Maybe after my show is at 6 million downloads, that'll sound more impressive than 5 million downloads when I make this request. And it probably is already fine <laughs> in terms of packing a punch like oh five million downloads forbes you know new york times blah 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 that will probably pack enough i don't know credibility authority power to get over that hump um and yet i, I sort of wonder it's like well i don't know i should probably research their show more because i don't like getting irrelevant pitches and so i should like really know it intimately but how intimately it's like is listening to five episodes enough or is that not nearly <laughs> enough and so so yeah yeah. Well, hey, it's the most common archetype. I've maybe got it. So, hey, double win. 
Well, it sounds like yours could be like maybe a combination of a little bit procrastinator and a little bit outcasted in the same thing. And those two can really interplay together. But the because the, the procrastinator is most afraid of getting it wrong, making a mistake and not having things be perfect. So you always feel like there's a little bit more that you could be doing. And you, you know, procrastinators, a lot of times people, in, in fact, a lot of times people will will realize that they're, that's their archetype, but they'll think, I never thought of myself as a procrastinator. I'm, I definitely have thought of myself as a perfectionist, but what perfectionists will do is they will try to get so far ahead of things and so far out ahead of a deadline so that they can be tweaking up until the very last minute because it's never quite right. And so, or they'll avoid doing things at all because they don't want to make a mistake or because it won't be perfect. And so it sounds like you've got a little bit of that going on, but also a little bit of, I don't want to take the chance of putting myself out there because they might say no, because I'm not good enough. And that's, that's a little bit of your inner outcast coming out too. Yeah, I hear you. And I think when it comes to rejection in this realm, I don't think it would hurt my feelings too much. Like, oh, you know, but, it, but mm-hmm. it would just like, from like a business opportunity of like, oh, dang it. It was like, yeah. uh, did I blow it? Like if I w- worked it a little bit better or differently, could I have nailed this? And, and now uh, this, this door is yep. closed to me and I'm bummed because I, did it wrong. And if I had done it right, then this door wouldn't be closed to me. So I guess I don't feel like a loser. And I'll tell you, it is great therapy to being rejected. I remember my first book, <laughs> collecting dozens of rejection letters just was very, very nourishing to the soul. <laughs> it's like, oh, hey, this this doesn't hurt so bad after all. <laughs> after a while, you yeah. start to get used to it, I think. But yeah, it takes it takes a little while. Well, we do have an assessment that you can actually go and take the take the assessment and discover what your fear archetype is. So you can find that at doitscared.com if you're interested in figuring out what exactly, because sometimes it can be a little hard to nail down and that's where the assessment comes in and helps you really hone in on what your top one is. And it, the premium assessment will actually show you where you rank on all seven of them. So you can really see what your top ones are and how they interplay together. Oh yeah. You are bringing back some memories in terms of fear. I remember at at Bain and Company, that was sort of an expectation they called zero defect analysis, which means um, you, you're not allowed to make mistakes, uh, <laughs> which well, is terrifying. That like that's in your probably review. Probably be like really terrifying for a procrastinator slash perfectionist. <laughs> it's like what? Like we're not allowed to make mistakes. And so I guess you know. Over time, it became clear you're not allowed to make a, a mathematical or factual error that the client catches. You know, it's sort, ah. sort of like take a moment to double check your stuff and, and don't get caught, you know, being wrong. Yes. Which is still a high bar, but not as terrifying as it originally felt when I said, excuse me, what is the standard here exactly? But it was uh, good lessons uh, in terms of sharpening some skills. But um, yeah, it was spooky for a little while as um, young associate consultants are getting up to speed on that skill set. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, memories. Okay. Well, so now let's see. We've got some of these uh, particular archetypes mapped out, uh, the the lay of the land, the the diagnosis. And so I'd love to hear, I'm sure that there are sort of particular prescriptions for each of these, uh, but because that may take a while, could you maybe share with us <laughs> some of the universal prescriptions like universal prescriptions that help everybody? Yes. Yeah. Well, one of the most important things that you can keep in mind when you're talking about fear is first of all, that figuring out what your fear is 
matters so much because that's where you can start to identify it and start to see where, where it might be holding you back. But when it comes to overcoming it, the most important thing that you need to know is that action is the antidote to fear. So if you want to start to overcome your fear, the first thing that you need to do is take any step, any step at all in the right direction towards whatever it is that you want to go after towards facing your fear. So back to the example that I gave you, the action that I took was my friends said, Hey, your outcast fear is holding you back. You are afraid of rejection and you're not putting yourself out there. And so what you need to do is go pitch yourself to 20 people in the next 24 hours, even though you know you'll be rejected. And so my choice at that point was to say, whatever, you guys are full of it. And I don't care because I'm not going to do it because literally it was terrifying to me. It was panic inducing fear of the thought, just the thought of that. I mean, as they were confronting me, I was standing up, I was pacing around the room, my arms were crossed. I was, where there was yelling going on. I did not want to do this. And so my choice then was to, to ignore them completely and to not do it and to sit in my fear or my choice was to take action and to actually do that thing that they were challenging me to do. And I took the action. And what I realized is that once again, action is the antidote to fear. As I took the action, that was the cure. Taking a step, doing the thing that you're afraid of. I mean, Eleanor Roosevelt says, you must do the thing you think you cannot do. That is it. That's the answer most of the time to fear is to just, sometimes it just has to be the tiniest step in the right direction. Sometimes that's all you can do is the tiniest step in the right direction. But just taking that step will give you the courage to take the next step and then the next step. Courage is like a muscle. So the more you exercise it, the stronger it's going to get. Yeah. And that's interesting. When you talk about fear and how it manifests, you said you were terrifying and panic inducing. You know, I guess I don't experience that much when it comes to, to stuff, but I think my fear can show up as kind of like discomfort and resistance. It's like, yes. ah, I don't really know about that just yet. You know, there's probably something, you know, better, different, alternative a little later. And so that that's interesting. Could you maybe talk about sort of the the flavors by which fear is being experienced? Because I think maybe if some folks are saying, hmm, I don't really experience that panic inducing thing much. I guess I don't have fear. You know, what, right. what would you say to them? Well, and fear happens on different levels for different people too. And it's important to realize that too. So, which is one really cool thing about our fear assessment is that it will actually give you a measure of your overall level of fear and how much it might be impacting you. Some people score off the charts on in certain archetypes. Some people are fairly low in all of them. And there's one that's a little more prevalent, but it's still fairly low. And that in that case, you might not be experiencing fear in that way. Now for me, my outcast is off the charts and everything else for me is fairly low. So it really, really depends on where you're scoring for that. And and it might not be, like you said, it might just be a resistance or something where you just, you avoid things because you don't want to do them. And you just think, mm, I don't really want to do them. And you're not even necessarily identifying it as a specific fear in your life. And yet it's holding you back because you're not doing it. You're not taking that action. You're not taking that step. And in that case, you're probably a little bit luckier because if you're not having that panic inducing fear, that's really holding you back, then it's, that's a little bit easier to say, okay, I'm going to take this step. I'm going to take this action and see how it goes. The more you're willing to do that, the more you're willing to take the action, the more, the better the results are. And the more you realize, oh, 
I don't have to let this fear hold me back at all. Or, oh, this really isn't as bad as I thought it's going to be. So for you as being a procrastinator slash perfectionist, the best thing that you could possibly do is to push yourself to make some mistakes and to be okay with making mistakes. Because every time you do something and make a mistake and it's not the end of the world, it helps you develop that capacity and the ability to next time realize, okay, I can do this. And if I make a mistake, it's not going to be the end of the world. If I put myself out there before I have 6 million or 7 million listeners to my podcast, then it's in something, you know, they say, no, that's not the end of the world. I can always ask again and I can always ask again. It's not that big of a deal. And so depending on where you fall within your archetype and the level, it really depends on then what the solution and the cure is. You know, it's funny, Ruth. (laughs) When you say, I could always ask again, that strikes me as a profound revelation. <laughs> really? Yeah. I was like, oh yeah, I guess you can, you know, <laughs> and, um, which, um, which is interesting. Uh, that kind of gets me thinking that another potential antidote here is, is just some of the conversation. You mentioned you've got your accountability or mastermind posse, the truth yes. seekers, the truth club. Yes. And and that helped out right there. And that is actually one of the universal recommendations also is to create accountability in your life, to put people in your life who will speak truth to you. And that's not always easy because there's a lot of people who don't want to tell us the truth, who don't want to be confrontational. And a lot of times we surround ourselves intentionally with people who will tell us what we want to hear. And so intentionally putting people in your life who will push back, who will give you the honest truth, who won't always just tell you what you want to hear, but will actually push to make you better. That is so, so important. And it is one of the best things that you can ever do for yourself is to create accountability partners in your life or to find those people that you can really trust to say the things that nobody else will say to you, because those are the people that are going to push you to be your best self and to push past your comfort zone into the place where you're pushing past fear. And that's also the place where all the good stuff happens, where you get to go after your biggest goals and dreams and actually create the life that you love. Yes. Well, I'm all about doing just that. So great perspective there hugely transformative. I, I want to talk a bit more about the, the tiny step business. If folks are, are scared, I think that's one great tactic right there is like identify what's the tiniest possible step. And then if folks are, are even scared to, to take that tiny possible step, what do you do? Is there any like particular, <laughs> you know, mantras or mottos or, or kind of <laughs> well, power up tips? My mantra is definitely do it scared. And honestly, that sounds so simple. And obviously that's the title of the book. That's the title of my podcast. But truly that mantra works, whether you're 10 years old or a hundred years old, it really does. And I see it all the time because do it scared has been my own personal motto for so long. And it's been one of the core values of my company since I started my company. And then it's something that I've really seen be embraced by the members in my community. And I see all the time they, uh, they, you know, in our Facebook groups, people say, Oh, Ruth says, do it scared. I'm doing it scared. This is my do it scared moment. And even my daughter, you know, we went a few weeks ago to uh, one of those high ropes course things. And uh, mm-hmm. she's like, mommy, I was so scared, but I just kept saying, do it scared, do it scared, do it scared the whole time. Do it scared. That's all I could think. Do it scared. And then I was brave enough to do it like that. Sometimes you just need to chant that in your head. And and really what that means is that Courage doesn't mean that you're never afraid. Courage is 
taking action despite your fear. It's it's doing the one thing and then doing the next thing. And sometimes you just have to tell yourself that over and over. I just have to take this one step. If I can take this one step, then I can take the next one. I think sometimes also we think that we have to have everything all figured out. And that is especially true when it comes to these creating goals and dreams for our lives or having these goals and dreams in our head that we were too afraid to pursue. And we, we don't pursue them because we think we're supposed to know every step along the way and that we have to have it perfect and that we have to, you know, we're afraid of what people are going to say about us or say to us or that they won't understand or they won't get it or that we'll get it wrong. Like there's all of these fears that come into play, sometimes all at the same time, sometimes one more prevalently than others. But really, we don't have to have it all figured out all at once. We just have to take one step. And sometimes when you take that one step, the next step becomes more clear. And then the next step becomes more clear after that. And before you know it, you look back and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I did all of that. Beautiful. You also talk about developing core beliefs that help us overcome fears. I imagine some beliefs get shaped just by taking those actions over time repeatedly. Uh, Do you have any other approaches to go about forming and strengthening these core beliefs? Well, yes. So in the book, Do It Scared, I talk about the principles of courage. And there are several that are really important. Some we've sort of touched on a little bit. One is there are no mistakes, only lessons. And that one is like for somebody like yourself, that's a really important one. And in fact, it sort of came out when I said, you know, what's the worst that can can happen? You can always just ask again. And that was a revelation to you to realize if if it goes wrong the first time, you can always try it again. You can always try something else. There's no time and there's no mistake that's so big that you can't recover from. And I I feel like I'm living proof of that. And I actually talk about this quite extensively in the book. But when I was in my early 20s, I went through a terrible depression, really, really bad. It was my senior year of college. I ended up attempting suicide multiple times, um, ended up hospitalized for almost two and a half years, uh, had multiple suicide attempts in that time. And it was just really, really, really bad. Like as bad as you can imagine a, a depression would be, that was, that was it. And at the end of it, found myself divorced, bankrupt, completely alone. All the people who had tried to be my friends along the way, I had, you know, either made them so mad or so frustrated that they had pretty much abandoned me, had nothing left. I had no money. I had no education because I had dropped out of school. I had, I literally had nothing. And somehow from that managed to take by taking one step and then the next step and then the next step after that over the course of like several years ended up finding my way back to having, first of all, a normal life and then finishing school and getting married and having two beautiful kids and then starting a business that has now grown to be this seven-figure empire. And so I really look at that as kind of the proof that if you think that, like as badly as you think that you've screwed up in your life, I promise you it's probably not as bad as I screwed up. And if I can go from from that hot mess that I was 15 years ago to where I am today, then there really is hope for anyone on the planet. And that's where it's so important to just take one step and the next, the next step and the next step after that. So I truly believe in my heart of hearts that there are no mistakes, only lessons. And if, and if you can start to adopt that mentality, then you stop fearing 
that you were going to make a mistake. That's such a big fear for so many people is this fear of making a mistake. But realizing that every mistake you make brings you to the next point in your life and you can look back and go, oh, that was amazing. I learned from that. Now I can take it and do my next thing. That's awesome. Well, tell me, Ruth, anything else you want to make sure to mention before we shift gears and hear about some of your favorite things? Well, I want to make sure that you know that Do It Scared is available wherever books are sold. Okay, we got it. Well, now could you share with us a favorite quote, something you find inspiring? Favorite quote? I think I already shared it. Do one thing every day that scares you. And how about a favorite study or experiment or a bit of research? I've got to say... Well, aside from this fear research that we've done recently, I really love the research that Jim Collins does in all of his books, but especially in Good to Great and Built to Last. Those are two of my favorite business books. I read them all the time. And how about a favorite tool so that helps you be awesome at your job? My favorite tool. Oh my goodness. I think the Freedom app is pretty amazing. It keeps me focused on a daily basis. It is, I don't know if you've used that before. You can connect it onto all of your devices and then set the timer and it locks you out of all distractions while you try to focus. And how about a favorite habit? Getting up at 4 a.m. every day. Well, I have to ask about this in more detail. (laughs) When do you go to sleep at night? Usually by nine. Okay. Okay. That works out. Any naps in the day? Nope. No Mm -hmm. naps. I am not a napper. The only time I ever nap is if I'm sick, but I am a morning person to the core. Sometimes I even get up at three just because I feel like it. It's if I really do like getting up early. I love that. I love having the time in the morning when nobody else is up and the whole world is just yours. And I find that that's my time to get my best work done and just have the quiet where no one else on the planet is crazy enough to get up that early. So it's all mine. And um, do you wake up without an alarm, just naturally at about that time? I use the Sleep Cycle app, which is another one of my favorite tools. But I honestly, even if I don't usually set my alarm on the weekends and I still wake up that early. So yeah, cool. Well, nice work. Uh, (laughs) Now, could you share with us a favorite nugget, something you share that really seems to connect and resonate and get uh, retweeted frequently? My favorite nugget is action is the antidote to fear. Well, I, I was totally already playing on using it as the pulled quote for our episode. So <laughs> it's a good one. Well, there you go. You give a great taste. <laughs> and if folks want to learn more, or get in touch, where would you point them? Absolutely. Definitely go to doitscared.com. That's where you can find out more about the book. You can find the podcast and you can take the assessment and find out your fear archetype. And you have a final challenge or call to action for folks seeking to be awesome at their jobs? You know, I think that it's really important to find out where fear is impacting your life so that you can be more awesome at your job. It truly is. It's amazing once you start to identify those patterns in your life, how it sort of changes everything and can help you break through any of the resistance that you've been facing. Beautiful. Well, Ruth, this has been a ton of fun. I, I wish you lots of luck and, and adventures as you do things scared and come out the other side. It's been a treat. Thanks so much for having me. It was great to be here. I think what I found most powerful from this conversation with Ruth is that your fear doesn't necessarily need to be like you're quaking, your boots, you're shivering, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm terrified, my heart is thumping, but rather just kind of, I just kind of have some resistance and it can show up in procrastination or elsewhere. So I think that's good. Just check yourself to see, okay, wait a minute, there could very well be some non-rational things at work here. We've all got some fears. And in fact, you probably have one of seven key types of fears. Check out that tool. Pretty cool over there. And to take some action to, to get up after it. The antidote to fear being action alone. 
handy stuff from Ruth. Hope you dug it. Again, the show notes, the transcript, the links to as we've referenced are over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash F441. If you haven't already, I hope you'll push subscribe. You'll catch our next guest. It's Diana Boer. She's back for a repeat performance. And this time she is discussing email, how to have faster, fewer, better emails. I think we could all use some of that. Hope to catch you there. Peace. Thanks for listening. To get the most out of the show, we recommend two key things. First, check out the extra resources at awesomeatyourjob.com. You can find this episode's transcript and links, as well as the perfect episode for your situation. You can search the full text transcripts of hundreds of episodes or explore episodes tagged by topic and competency covered. Second, subscribe to the podcast and get future episodes automatically. You can subscribe by telling Siri and several other smartphones and speakers. Subscribe to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast or by tapping subscribe in your podcast player of choice. If you'd like some extra help figuring out podcasts and how subscriptions work, visit awesomeatyourjob.com slash subscribe for guidance. Hope to catch you on the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job.